You're listening to BCG In Focus, a podcast produced by the Birchwood Cropping Group to improve the prosperity of Australian broadacre farmers through applied science-based research and extension. My name is Kate Finger, Project Officer at BCG. Last week, I caught up with Chris Corey from AgFarm for a pre-harvest market and price update. Please enjoy. Chris joined AgFarm in 2016 with seven years of financial risk and grade training experience. Throughout Chris's Career, he has worked for NAB and several different trading houses, including Noble Resources and CHS. This experience has given Chris a deep understanding of overlaying technical and fundamental market analysis to domestic, to trade domestic, export and derivative markets, whilst always respecting the boundaries of risk management. Chris's knowledge of analytics, risk management orientation and supply chains Export pathways and customers allows him to make, take a macro view of the agricultural industry whilst understanding and solving micro problems. I'd now like to hand you over to Chris. Thank you very much, Kate. Uh, and thank you everyone for joining us today. Um, in particular, thank you to the Birchie Cropping Group. Um, it's always a pleasure uh, to host uh, the market update here. So uh, looking forward to today. Um, like uh, Kate said, we'll do a broad overview today. We'll touch on uh, a bit about macro markets first and the world markets. Um, and then we'll drill a bit more into what's happening closer to home uh, with particular focus on Victoria uh, today. So any questions, as Kate said, flick them through. i be more than happy to answer uh, any questions at the end. Um, all right, we'll kick it off. So in, in brief, uh, what is, a couple of things that we, uh, the world market are focusing at the moment. So we've seen world wheat production uh, is going to s- stabilise this year or the coming season after a, a drop in global production uh, last season that we saw for the first time in seven years. Australia is facing a second year of poor production due to adverse weather conditions. Uh, Victoria has been fortunate though this season, which is looking fantastic. Global prices for wheat and barley have been stable. Uh, and more recently, over the past couple of weeks, uh, starting to increase in value. Trade war between US and China continues to be unresolved. This is putting great pressure on global markets uh, across the, the sector, not just grain markets, um, but financial markets around the world. Uh, one thing that we'll touch on uh, and actually go into some detail about is the African swine fever. It continues to wreak havoc uh, around Asia, in particular China where we're seeing quite a large loss in the pig herd. Uh, And due to the trade war and the swine fever outbreak, we're seeing a a real shift in the import structure that uh, China usually goes uh, from and the import countries they normally import from. Um, And probably the largest shift we're seeing at the moment in China is a shift away from importing bulk grain to now importing more protein. So first into the world, uh, wheat production. As we can see, um, 2012 to 2017, we saw a gradual increase in world wheat production, which was uh, very good to see. As The main reason why this is important, uh, that we always get a bit of an uptrend in global wheat production, is that uh, over the last 50 years or since records have been kept properly, uh, we continuously see an uptick in global wheat demand. So it's important that Global wheat production uh, continues to uh, increase steadily uh, to offset any shift in global demand increases. However, in 2018, uh, we saw for the first time 
uh, world wheat production drop quite significantly. Um, we saw that also in Australia, uh, which led to some of the, the decreases into the world wheat production. Um, but for the next 12 month outlook, uh, we're looking at a 35 million tonne increase from last year in global wheat production, um, which will stabilize the wheat prices. So the 10 year average, to put it all in perspective, the 10 year average uh, for global wheat production is 790 million tonnes. Um, but for the 2019-20 season, we're looking at 765 million tonnes of production. So we're sitting just under that 10 year average, about 25 million tonnes. It's always important when we look at world production to really focus on the key growing regions uh, around the world. Uh, so as we can see here in 2019, we've got the EU looking at producing 153 million tonnes of wheat. Now this is above the 10 year average uh, of 145 million tonnes of wheat. We've got China, that's uh, one of the world's largest producers of wheat, but also one of the world's, or if not the world's largest importer of wheat, going to produce 132 million tonnes of wheat this year, which is above the 126 million tonne average. Russia is going to produce quite a healthy 74 million tonnes, which is well above the 61 million tonne average. Uh, and Australia, we're going to produce on, we're, we're approximating 15.5 million tonnes of wheat, uh, which is well and truly below the 10 year average of 24 million tonnes. Uh, there's no, um, no easy way of putting it, but you know, Australia has obviously experienced quite a significant ongoing drought and poor weather conditions, uh, which is really causing some problems uh, in the Australian landscape, not just for growers, but also the industry as a whole, uh, trying to plug the gap for East Coast domestic consumption by you know, exporting wheat out of WA uh, and South Australia across the East Coast to help fuel, um, fill the gap, or, or fill the gap, sorry, uh, for the domestic consumption. Now if we focus on Australia's production over the last couple of years and, and really dig into what's happened. So 2016-17 season, uh, we saw above average rainfall uh, and very cool conditions, which resulted in record yields for wheat and barley. Uh, the quality for that season was, on the most part, very good. The season following, 2017-18, we saw a moderate El Nino. Uh, wind and frost contributed severe yield penalties across most of the country, especially in northern New South Wales and Queensland. In 2018-19, so last season, uh, severe rainfall deficits in eastern Australia and, and lowest recorded rainfall in September across Australia led to drought conditions. Australia had their lowest production since 2007. And unfortunately for this coming season, we're experiencing a very similar story. Continued drought conditions across Australia, uh, so we're even going to grow a smaller crop from last season. High demand for domestic consumption of grain due to drought uh, especially on the east coast of Australia and Adelaide zone, uh, has meant grain will continue to be moved from WA by sea and from South Australia from road and rail to the east coast to feed the high demand profile. This, uh, combined with obviously the low production, we will more than likely see exports fall uh, to help offset this. <coughs> um, one of the key uh, problems that the industry will continue to solve over the next 12 months is really solving the um, 
the deficit grain versus the domestic demand on the East Coast. Uh, one thing Australia has got very good at, or the industry, I should say, has got very good at over the last 12 months is moving grain around the country very long distances uh, to help <clears throat> uh, help smooth any domestic demand shortfalls we have on the East Coast. Other things that we need to uh, keep in consideration as the harvest rolls around uh, is the quality of this season. <clears throat> Barley that's coming in so far, uh, a lot of it is uh, higher screenings than normal. Um, so that's a bit of a concern. Not as much of a concern uh, this season because we're not running a big export program to China on the barley front. Um, but if we were, if we were to see China come in on the barley, um, it may cause a bit of concern. Due to last year's small crop, we're seeing very little carry in, uh, which is not helping the situation in Australia for the coming 12 months. Uh, we're kind of seeing a lot of grain being sold at the moment, um, ex-farm and off the header. Um, so again, not too much far, uh, grain entering the system just yet. As growers look to either keep it on farm and fill their on-farm storage first, or to sell direct off the header into feedlots on the east coast. Um, we're seeing uh, another another bit of fuel being thrown on the fire at the moment. Is we're seeing a very <clears throat> little chance of getting a good sorghum crop in the ground. The window is closing quite significantly. The sorghum crop kind of goes up until the window goes up to about the 15th of January, all things being equal. Um, but yeah, four inches of rainfall is needed through most of the, the sorghum belt for growers to really have the confidence to plant a summer crop where they can. Um, and the other big <clears throat> shift in the landscape we're seeing for the 2019-20 for the season, not so much on production, but um, is really the shift from the industry about being a risk off um, Last year, with the very high price, prices of grain at harvest time and the drought conditions, uh, a lot of the trade thought that they may try and own the grain um, and create value by being long grain ex, uh, post-harvest. Um, but uh, that resulted in grain prices falling quite significantly and the growers selling a lot of their production at harvest time. Uh, grain prices fell. Quite significantly, and as a result, the trade um, as a whole um, lost a lot of money being long grain post-harvest. This year, um, with uh, another drought conditions, markets are quite volatile um, with the drought conditions. Um, and so we may find this year that traders don't actually particularly want to own too much grain at harvest time. Um, if this was the case, uh, it means that once a trader has got their fill for the day or the month or the week, they may look at just stepping out of the market altogether. Um, and so it's just one thing to keep in the back of the mind um, that yeah, the, the, the risk um, or the trading limits from the trade this year um, may not be as big as, I, as we have seen. We've also seen uh, a lot of industry participants leave the market this season. Um, you know, there has been references due to the ongoing drought and how difficult it is to find margin business for the accumulators and exporters. Um, so, yeah, less players, less risk appetite on the table may mean that um, the industry as a whole or the trade or the export industry doesn't want to stand there and own great volumes this harvest. Uh, so now we look at... Uh, how kind of competitive we, we have been in the past and how export competitive we are at the moment. So 2016-17, the big year, the record year, 
Uh, prices throughout the early part of 2017 were very export competitive into most key offshore consumptive homes. Uh, this was very good for the industry because we did have a lot of grain to move uh, through the supply chain, put onto a vessel and export, and it made the job uh, very easy for the exporter to clear the, the supply chain. In 2017-18, we saw a record crop from Russia, um, which made it very difficult for us to price at the beginning. Um, but as we kind of moved through harvest, uh, and they clear, they Russia had some export capacity issues. Uh, Australia did write a little bit of export business. 2018-19, so last season, uh, we had obviously a dramatically smaller wheat production and barley production year, unlike other exporting nations in the Black Sea. Um, so we saw um, that we weren't very competitive coming into harvest. So this time last year, we were roughly about $60 above um, export parity on the wheat and barley front. So from about December, January last year, we saw a big fall away in price just because Australia couldn't write any export business. And even with a small crop, we still had to export some grain. Uh, Western Australia was not competitive against Russian values. So the big fall away in price we saw was Australia trying to price export demand. Um, what uh, definitely didn't help the situation was the uh, anti-dumping investigation placed on Australia from China on the barley. Uh, that saw China being removed from the market altogether. So on the barley front, Australia had to start pricing out more traditional homes like Saudi. Um, and there was about $60 downside US uh, to price those markets. So what are we seeing this season? Uh, at the moment, Australia is uh, currently, I believe, quite well priced. We're about on any given day, US $10 to $15 above export parity versus the Black Sea values uh, on wheat. And on barley, we're about $10 above Black Sea parity into Saudi. Um, but if you look uh, our markets into China from, uh, say, France, for example, we're very well priced. Um, so I think with given the, the, the very low production, being $10 or $15 above the Black Sea, uh, for both wheat and barley on any given day isn't too badly priced and opportunities will come. We are seeing business being written uh, from the from the major exporters um, into key domestic homes like Indonesia, uh, Thailand, for example. So business is, is being written. Um, keep in mind that with a small crop and a growing domestic demand profile, we don't need to write a lot of export business this year and the best paying export home from Western Australia and South Australia will be the East Coast again. Uh, so we don't have to price a lot of export business. So to be 10 or 15 above uh, Russia, Ukraine, France uh, values, I believe it's quite a good, good uh, place for Australia to be sitting. Um, the other thing that Australia's prices are doing now is uh, everything's very well priced versus the East Coast. So we look at Western Australia, for example, Western Australia values are pricing export demand to a degree, um, but also delivered darling downs in Queensland uh, is pricing exactly 110 over on most days, over Western Australian values on most days, which is the full cost of execution. So Australia grain prices are all well priced to move west to east and from south to north, from Victoria north, um, just because of the domestic demand profile. 
And so we're not going to see too much move in interior spreads of grain uh, in Australia. The only price spread at the moment that does seem to be quite a standout is the very wide wheat barley spread. In Victoria on any given day, it's about $50, $55, $60 barley is below wheat, which is very wide um, traditionally. So moving now to the domestic market. Um, again, Victorian grain looking like a great season ahead, um, or sorry, great harvest ahead with uh, what's been a very good season for the most part. Uh, a lot of this grain is going to be either produced in Victoria, a lot of the grain produced in Victoria, sorry, is going to be likely consumed in domestic homes around Victoria and the Riverina. Um, but there's also going to be quite a strong export program in the containers. Um, we're also seeing any surplus of grain will be drawn north, as I said, into Griffith and even further north. Uh, we could start to see a, a perfect storm here where the uh, exporter and the domestic consumer start going to price aggressively at harvest time to the grower. It's always nice when a market um, is pricing like Victoria's at the moment, being very competitive on containers but also very, uh, very well priced to the domestic consumer as they want to start getting some harvest cover, sorry, cover on this harvest. Um, so now really the, everyone's waiting for the Victorian harvest to roll into full speed. Uh, everyone wants to test the grower and to see what the grower's selling ideas are from the industry. Um, so we could, be, we could be kind of starting to see a bit of a perfect storm here in Victoria pricing. Um, we are seeing, again, limited grain on the East Coast. Uh, there is not enough grain full stop to feed the East Coast demand, domestic demand profile. If you add up both Victoria, New South Wales and Queensland, uh, as I said before, the sorghum plant uh, is decreasing, decreasing by the day. Uh, this will just ultimately put more demand uh, into the cereals as domestic consumers cannot rely on a sorghum harvest. Um, I think probably now it's timely to touch on uh, for those listeners who uh, who haven't been keeping too much up to speed with the African swine fever. Um, I probably should go into a bit of background now about that. Um, so essentially the African swine fever is a disease that affects pigs uh, and can be tr uh, transmitted from live or dead pigs, pork products, and even non-living pork products. Um, Along with China, it is being found in the Philippines, Korea, uh, and Timor, uh, and Australian Customs has found it in products that have attempted to being bought into Australia. Um, at the moment, the industry is expecting uh, the African swine fever to probably kill somewhere between a third to a half of the Chinese uh, pig herd. Um, and to put that in perspective, roughly speaking, half of the world's pig population lives in China. So it's a very aggressive disease. It's killing a lot of uh, pigs at the moment, unfortunately. Uh, the only way it can be eradicated is by essentially, A, controls uh, put in place, but second of all, any outbreaks that are found or any pigs that have been found to be infected um, have to be killed immediately to reduce the, the risk of spread. Um, and obviously with the massive population and growing economy in China, um, it's a hugely important player in the world's grain markets, but also in the world's protein markets. Um, so we are seeing uh, a lot of grain that's normally imported into China. That's used 
to essentially feed pigs to create protein. So we are now seeing, starting to see a shift away from uh, bulk grain exports from Australia um, into China to now more of a uh, grain being turned into protein through livestock feeding in Australia and Australia now exporting more protein to China. Same for the US. Um, I think there has been, do have a number on it somewhere, but oh, here we are. So pork prices have surged 63% um, from, in, and from May this time last year. So obviously China just continues um, to import more and more protein uh, and pork, but also now China's gonna have to start to look at alternative protein sources away from pork, just as the world will start to deplete its, uh, its, its pork stocks essentially. Um, the other point um, that I wanted to raise uh, with China is the, uh, the anti-dumping investigation that China put on Australia this time 12 months ago. Uh, so this time, 12 months ago, one of the main catalysts to see grain prices drop the way they did last harvest was the fact that China announced an anti-dumping investigation uh, for Australian barley into China. Uh, they asked major exporters to fill out a lot of questions um, and they've done an investigation over the last 12 months. Uh, China came out and announced at the same time that they would take 12 months to investigate if there was um, any any anti-dumping practices found from the Australian exporters. Uh, so an announcement is due um, on that on the 17th of November, uh, so less than a week away. That could have three outcomes. The, the outcomes could either be um, that they've investigated and they found that there was no anti-dumping behaviour found, uh, which would mean that Australia would be free to export barley back to China again. Second of all, uh, they could come out and say that they have found anti-dumping practices and Australia may either incur a ban uh, from exporting barley to China or some sort of penalty, whether it be through a tariff system um, or not, but it, could, it would have an effect. Um, or the third decision could be that uh, they need more time uh, to, you know, so they may extend it up to six months or so um, and say, um, you know, that they've, they just need more time to, to find, to, to investigate essentially and, and make their findings. Right, so the market's a bit hesitant on that um, and that, that will be a big announcement on the 17th of November. Well, that's what it's uh, likely anyway. So um, to keep an eye on the news for those couple of key, key dates. Uh, um, so then, yeah, so moving back on to really domestic markets now. Ongoing drought conditions have seen limited deliveries into the grain crop system. Um, reason is, I suppose, A, um, a lot of farmers these days are mixed farmers. They've got livestock that they want to um, secure a feed demand by storing on farm. Um, or second of all, uh, due to the domestic, dom uh, domestic player paying quite good money for prompt grain, a lot of growers are selling direct off the header. Um, into the domestic feed home. So Grain Corp and the, and the likes um, seem to be having a very slow start for their grain receivables this year. Um, and, it, and it could be the fact that any grain that does hit the supply chain uh, could be there for the long haul as well. So what does this all mean? 
So I suppose um, what we've really touched on here um, is A, the weather. Uh, Australia is still in drought conditions and it's not over just yet, unfortunately. Due to those drought conditions, uh, it is very unlikely we are going to see a sorghum plant in the summer, um, which is gonna create more and more demand um, from the domestic consumer uh, for the cereals, wheat and barley. Um, on the wheat front, we are starting to price export business concerns um, over production in Argentina and Canada for their wheat at the moment. Um, trade not taking too much risk um, due to trading losses and, and suppressed trading margins. Um, some traders and industry participants have left the market, creating less buyers this harvest. Um, this time of year at harvest time, obviously we see a large um, supply into the market, pushing prices lower. Um, and look over the next, the next four to eight weeks, um, we would likely see prices continue to kind of drift lower as we enter um, the key harvest period. On the, on the barley front, we've discussed the China anti-dumping announcement is expected to be released on the 17th of November. Um, we are saying that Aussie Australia grain, or sorry, Australia barley prices um, are quite well priced on an export front. If China does come in, it would be expected um, that we'll, we'll win some business there. And uh, the next time Saudi is, is in for a tender, it wouldn't be surprising if we did, well, not that you will ever know because it's optional origin, but it's not too uh, far-fetched to expect Australia to start rowing some Saudi business again on the barley front. Um, and also on the barley front, we are seeing a very wide wheat barley price spread, um, which looks like barley seems to be, seems to have a lot more upside versus the wheat at the moment. And again, overall, due to the risk appetite being low, um, Australian grain prices being well supported, both export domestic, we are on the eve of harvest, uh, it is very, very likely at this stage, the grain prices may continue to either drift sideways to slightly lower until harvest is over. Um, but due to the, the reasons that we've discussed, uh, it's not too uh, unrealistic at this stage that we could and should see um, a steady rise in price over the next 12 months uh, in 2020 until next harvest. And last uh, kind of tips on the eve of harvest. Um, we always kind of like to, to just put these fr in fresh in everyone's minds again, um, but just some grain marketing tips. Don't put all your eggs in the one basket. Have a look at multiple marketing options. Um, understand uh, that prices will continue to move over the next 12 months um, and don't just essentially sell everything today or, or just, just as much. Um, don't hang on to ev for everything until next financial year. You know, have a plan in place. Um, understand what works well for your cash flow needs. Um, understand the cost of soaring grain, and have a look at what you think the market will do, and make you know an informed decision about your grain marketing. Know your buyers. Like I said, the industry this year um, has lost uh, money in trading. Um, we are seeing participants, and we sorry, we have seen participants leave the industry um, due to bankruptcy. Um, I'm not saying that there is participants out there at the moment who are on shaky ground or not, but all I'm saying is you need to know your buyers who you're selling your grain to because essentially they will owe you money.
again, like I just said, we may see prices continue to be sold off in 2000, uh, coming into 2020, uh, but post January next year, uh, everything at this stage is pointing to a pretty firm outlook on grain prices. Um, and again, just continue to monitor your domestic seasonal conditions. Um, just because we've had two back-to-back droughts, uh, not so much in Victoria, but the rest of the cropping belt, it doesn't mean we'll have a third. So, yeah, so essentially maybe carrying grain for a 10-month, 10, 10 or 12-month period um, on the chance that we'll get three droughts in Australia may not be the best idea. You know, I understand what's driving price on the seasonal conditions. Keep an eye on uh, rainfall in the north at the moment. That's probably the biggest um, price driving factor at the moment due to the summer plant. Um, if it starts to rain and we get three or four inches, yeah, it's very, very much growers will try and plant wall to wall with sorghum um, where they can due to the prices. Now, I having a look at the chat box, um, I can't see any questions come through just yet. Um, but a couple that we've had come in. Um, first question is, uh, it's on the sorghum front. If we don't get the sorghum plant, what do we think will happen to grain prices into next year? Um, I suppose the key problem with not getting a sorghum plant means there's not the there, there will not be additional supply of grain coming in over the next 12 months, and essentially that will lead to more demand being placed from sorghum back into wheat and barley. Uh, this will just drive price higher, I believe, and I can't see how it couldn't. Um, with a small crop anyway, with a very little carry-in from last season to this season, um, by the time we hit June, July, I think we'll be running on fumes at this stage uh, for supply. Um, so we just need to monitor that at this stage. But yeah, no sorghum crop will likely mean more demand coming back into uh, barley and wheat prices, especially with how well the livestock market's going. Uh, and how strong livestock prices are. Um, everyone's trying to keep cattle on feed as long as possible, um, and that will likely drive prices higher. Uh, and last question we had would, um, and it's a good one, having two years of smaller exports um, due to the ongoing drought, does this affect our export relationships in the future? It's a very good question because we have seen a, a very large shift in our traditional uh, export homes and what our traditional buyers are doing. Um, I think first comment on that would be overall, um, due to the Black Sea's crop getting bigger and bigger, but also better and more reliable in, on quality fronts, Australia has been losing the war over um, Black Sea grain production into our Asian consumption or consumptive homes. Um, so that doesn't necessarily mean um, our seasonality as such, but just because the Black Sea is getting better and better at growing crops, uh, the, the Asian consumer is more and more uh, eager to try, their, to try their grain and to essentially buy their grain over the longer term. The thing with smaller crops means that our price goes up, uh, which means we're not export competitive. And so, yes, it ultimately does mean that it will start to affect our relationships because the Black Sea is becoming known for growing big crop after big crop with stable, uh, stable quality, whereas Australia is known for growing good quality crops, um, but the variance on production is very seasonal and very hard to predict. And so unfortunately, I think um, until Australia gets through this unfortunate drought period, it will take, or sorry, once Australia gets through this drought period, it will take 
um, a year or two for Australians to get get overseas, start promoting our grain again, um, and st- and start getting some sales on the books to rebuild that relationship because at the moment it is unfortunately deteriorating just because of the little exports Australia is doing. Okay, well, thanks everyone. Um, I might hand you back over to Kate, but thank you very much for uh, for joining me today and giving me the time to speak. Um, yeah, thanks, and- uh, thanks, Chris, for doing that. Uh, we just had one question pop up in the chat um, asking about lentils and canola. Perfect. Okay, so I don't do much with lentils, so I can't really answer the lentils, but I can answer um, the canola bit and what we're seeing in canola. Um, canola this year um, is a very low production year, um, and it's created due to low production. We're starting to see a lot of the domestic crushers becoming very concerned, especially on the east coast, uh, being very concerned around their uh, supply of canola. Um, Again, canola around Birchip uh, is kind of well-placed. It's well-placed to move south uh, into some of the crush margins, uh, crushers, crush plants in Victoria. Um, but also because uh, New South Wales had unfortunately such a bad canola crop this year, it's moving north as well uh, into the um, New South Wales crushers. We've seen a gradual, pro- while cereals, um, moved lower and lower in price over the last 12 months. The only thing that's remained stable, to, if not firm, was canola. And that was just on the back of um, the crushers wanting to take as much supply coverage as they can to ensure um, that they have enough supply to continue to crush canola over the next 12 months. The other thing that's making it very attractive at the moment for crushers is uh, due to the high demand of domestic, de- sorry, the high domestic demand and the drought, uh, canola meal is becoming uh, very valuable uh, and it's making crushers, crush margins very good for the crushers, which is ultimately putting a, a nice price in canola. So I think the longer term look for canola at this stage is due to the small production uh, and due to the reasonably good crush margins from the domestic crusher, I would like, it'd be hard to see why canola cannot continue to firm over the next four to five months from here. Okay, thanks, Chris. So um, unless we have any other questions, we might end the uh, webinar here. Thanks, um, everyone, for joining today. I hope you found it informative and got something out of it. And a um, big thank you to you, Chris, for taking the time out to give us this grain market update. No, that's been great. Kate, and any questions? Kate, please feel free to pass them on to us. And we yes, can will do. As well. So no, thank you, everyone. Thank you all. The information on the webinar is general in nature. For your individual grain marketing needs, please speak to your independent service provider before making any grain marketing decisions.